0: Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Hi everyone, it's Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. Thank you very much for joining us for this special episode of Museum Chat Live as we commemorate the 75th anniversary of victory in Europe. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us. On today's episode... Our museum curator Kathleen Powell speaks with Mayor Walter Senzik about his trip to Bergen op Zoom in the Netherlands last year. Later in the episode, I speak with Kathleen about the museum's newest exhibit titled Coming Home: St. Catharines and the End of World War II, which features some fantastic photographs of soldiers of 10th Battery arriving home to the train station in St. Catharines in September 1945. A quick note about the coming home exhibit. We opened the exhibit in March, days before our temporary closure and this new reality. But we're happy to launch a digital version of the exhibit on History Pin. History Pin pins photos to a map and uses Google Street View to provide some modern context to historical photos it also provides the opportunity for you to share your memories by pinning your own photos or comments to photos that are already pinned. We'd love to hear your stories and memories from the end of the Second World War. Access the exhibit through the link in the footnotes to this episode or boot up history pin and search for St. Catherine's Museum coming home. Thanks again for joining us to commemorate this anniversary, important to global history of course, but also important to the many men and women from St. Catharines who served in the Second World War. On to the episode. During the six years that the Second World War raged across the globe, 1,086,343 Canadian men and women enlisted. For a country with a population of 12 million, this would have been a considerable contribution. The war had a massive financial cost to the country, estimated at over 21 billion dollars, and that price tag does not include the cost of post-war medical expenses and payments to dependents as well as pensions for veterans. On top of the monetary cost, the human cost was staggering for a country such as Canada. 43,671 were killed, including 2,343 from the Royal Canadian Navy, 22,917 from the Army, 17,101 from the Royal Canadian Air Force, and 1,629 from the Merchant Marine. Additionally, More than 50,000 armed personnel were wounded and roughly 29,000 considered seriously disabled from their wounds. St. Catharine's men and women combatants began returning home in late September 1945, with the men of the 10th Battery Royal Canadian Artillery leading the way. The men of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment returned home about four months later in January 1946, When these troops returned home to the train station, there was a huge parade that took the soldiers across Burgoyne Bridge, down St. Paul Street to in front of City Hall, and then on to the armories on Lake Street, where they were dismissed to greet their family members. Other men and women of the armed forces returned home individually or in smaller groups throughout the next few months. It is estimated that 4,000 men and 150 women from St. Catherine's enlisted in the armed forces, double the enlistment in the First World War, and 215 were killed. Their names are inscribed on two memorial tablets that can now be seen on the entrance facade at City Hall.
1: So I'm here today with Mayor Walter Sensik, who is going to talk to us a little bit about his trip to Bergen Op Zoom. Uh, Thanks for joining us so much, uh, Mayor Sensik. We really appreciate it. I know you're super busy right now, so uh, we appreciate you taking the time.
2: No, it's great to be here. Thanks, Kathleen.
1: Uh, So tell us a little bit about your trip to the Netherlands and to Europe for the anniversary of Bergen Op Zoom. Why were you there? What were you... uh, what did you do while you were there? What kind of things did you uh, participate in?
2: Yeah, no, it, it was, a, it was a, an opportunity. I was there with the Lincoln and Welland Regiment, uh, the Lincoln and Welland Regiment Band, and also the South Alberta Light Horse. And, and it was to mark the 75th anniversary of the liberation of bergen Zoom. And the reason why those two units from Canada were there was because it was the Lincoln and Welland Regiment and the South Alberta Light Horse that were were the actual groups, the the divisions that went in and and secured and liberated the town. And so, for the past number of years, uh, there's been a strong relationship, a strong partnership between uh, those the the community of Zoom and and uh, the the infantry and the the Light Horse. And so. For, for us, for me to be there uh, was a was a historic moment. It was a monumental moment in my life because I got to witness firsthand the contributions of, of the men of our community uh, 75 years ago during World War II. And it was um, just to be able to to walk amongst the history and to learn with the members of the Lincoln Welling Regiment. I was there with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Cincio as well, and we were there and such a wealth of information that we were able, he was able to walk me through a lot of the history uh, through the streets. And it was just uh, at times overwhelming to know that, you know, such a, such an important moment in the history of the Netherlands, the freeing of a major city like Bergen op Zoom was, was done by uh, members from our community in St. Catharines.
1: What was the reaction to uh, uh, Canadians when you were there? Uh, How did the the local population react?
2: it's uh it, it's every year they they do a celebration uh, this past year was a, a major one uh they were saying it's a it's a town of about 65 70, 000 people they had they estimated there was 55,000 people that came out for the liberation parade which took place through the heart of the city oh wow,
1: that's uh, a
2: lot it, it was it was it was uh the the enormity of it uh was astonishing and you know, the Lincoln and Welland Regiment, they were, the, they were the, the lead regiment that started the march through the community, through the city centre. And right behind them was the, the South Alberta Light Horse. And, and just to see the outpouring of gratitude uh, from, you know, very small children to the, the, the older adults who were, you know, waving Canadian flags and, and just, it was, yeah, it was, it was um, very emotional.
1: Do you think that um, the people in uh, Bergen op Zoom and in that part of uh, Europe uh, really have a good uh, understanding of the history of the Second World War and really kind of know the details of what happened?
2: Yeah, much more than than here in in Canada. And I, you know, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, since you and I had a conversation about that while we were there, is that because because people in the Netherlands, just like uh, across communities across Europe, they lost their their freedoms. They actually lost their freedoms. Um, they take it and they understand it more clearly, the importance of freedom. We never lost our freedom here in Canada and in the United States. There was no, there's no level of invasion that, that forced us to um, become enslaved by something wow. uh, such as you know an enemy like, uh, like Hitler. And so, you know, they see things in a different way, and and so there there's a. We also went to a town called Ecluse, which is just outside of a 45 minute drive from uh, Bergen op Zoom, and there's a Canadian War Cemetery there, and there's also a Canadian War Cemetery outside of Bergen op Zoom. And you know, walking through those cemeteries, you see the insignias of so many different divisions and infantry units and artillery units, and you know, you come across a whole number of Lincoln and Regiment um, insignias and like the one I'm wearing right here. And you're just, you're, you're moved because they never got to go home and, and see their, their mom and dad or have a family or anything. So again, the enormity, the magnitude of their sacrifice is amplified when you're there.
1: Yeah. I would imagine that probably they had a lot more uh, years of uh, recovery as well. I mean, we still had recovery for a long time here in Canada with rationing and things like that. But I would imagine in Europe it went on for much longer because, you know, entire communities were destroyed. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, the scarring, the scarring, you know, they, there's still, they're still such a gratitude 75 years later. We were at one restaurant and, and um, Lieutenant Colonel Cincio was wearing some of his, his uh, official gear. Uh, it's official uniform, yeah. and um, when the server came over, they asked where where we were from, and they asked, you know, uh, where Lieutenant Colonel Cincio was from. And when he said the Lincoln Well Regiment, they were the, the food was free. Um, yeah. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I was like, no, 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 we'll pay, we'll pay. And I was like, no, you you your your people freed us. That's this great. is the least we can do, and that's was seventy five years later. So, just puts that all in perspective.
1: That's pretty amazing, eh?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, how do you think your perspective about the Second World War changed after having taken uh, this trip? Do you think it
2: did at all? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a student of history. Uh, I've studied Canadian military history when I was going through university, and it was one of my areas of specialty. So I understand, I understood the tactical side of the history. I understood the... Um, so. so you know, call it the broad strokes, if you will, of Canadian military history, but when you actually go and retrace the footsteps, when you actually go and visit the war cemeteries, when you when you go and see the major theaters of battle and stand in the sort of shadows of of those moments that you know defined us as a country, it it, it gives you it gives you a, a different perspective. It gives you a, an emotional connection. It gives you a, there's a, a deeper understanding of the ultimate sacrifice. So, you know, I've always been attending Remembrance Day uh, since I can remember. Um, but last year was it hit a little closer to home because of, um, experiencing the grave sites and, you know, these were young, young men. 20, 19, 19 2018 20, like the just go through your head you can see the ages and they were all just young boys
1: yeah it's amazing I right, to see the uh, that tangible uh, evidence of those people having been there versus reading about them in a book what a difference that makes uh, kind of walked the same streets that they walked yeah yeah that's pretty amazing it sounds like it was a pretty awesome trip
2: it was it was a, it was one that I, I think a lot of Canadians uh, should experience at some point uh, visiting some of the major sites of battle, whether it be vimy ridge or or, or you know major places within the European context. Um, Geeps is another one, and just getting a sense of of what it was for a previous generation to fight for something so so strong like freedom like a, you know it, it was it was a choice that men made to go on a boat across the ocean to fight for someone else's freedom there's nothing more honorable than that
1: yeah definitely I totally agree Um, what would you say was the most moving part of your trip what do you think was the thing that kind of or most interesting I guess the thing that stuck with you the
2: most it was the war cemetery, so we, like I said, we went to two, and it was standing in front of the and the, the the graves of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment um, members, and you know understanding their history that they were from Saint Catharines, and just how quiet it was. Um, it was silent, and there was probably a hundred people in the cemetery that were a part of this contingently with, but it was completely yep. silent. And all you could hear is the, you know, the, the chirping of the birds and you can just, just got a sense of the um, sort of the, the enormity of, of the sacrifice. And yeah, yeah. so I'll give you a quick story is that yeah, sure, every, 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 christmas eve um the kids are assigned the kids in Bergenop Zoom are assigned a gravesite of one of the fallen soldiers and so on christmas eve in front of each gravesite a young person will stand with a a, or a candle an open flame and they will stand there for you know a half hour and just stand in silence and so i asked the the mayor of uh Burgermeister is what they're called in in the Netherlands asked the mayor what um, like why did they decide to do that and he goes because the soldiers should never be alone for Christmas Ah. and you just say yeah 75 years later and sort of just tugs at your heart and recognize that you know they never made it home but the people over there still value their sacrifice in a very special way.
1: It's so moving. I can't even imagine being there at that time uh, at Christmas and seeing that. Um, yeah. But just, I know I have never been to Europe to see any war cemeteries, although as a war historian, I feel like it would be pretty powerful. Uh, yeah, so I imagine it must have been pretty, pretty amazing. But to see them in photos and the numbers of graves is just, it's staggering, honestly. Yeah. First and the second it war. Uh, and then to is. connect it directly to our community is uh, is pretty uh, pretty touching, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so they, yeah. Uh, it just—it really does. With the e-day coming up, it really does, hand, like, bring home the point, I guess, um, of during World War Two and and in World War One, the amount of sacrifice that was given of our communities, so that you know the the freedoms that we all enjoy today, whether they're in Europe or in 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 Canada. Are, or done, with an extreme amount of sacrifice.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me for our uh, podcast today to mark the 75th anniversary of VE Day, and mm-hmm. uh, hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: You too. Keep up the great work.
0: Well, thank you very much, Kathleen, for joining me to talk about uh, our new exhibit, Coming Home. Um, Tell us a little bit about the exhibit.
1: Sure. So the exhibit is a photo retrospective, basically, of um, the days that right at the end of the war, when the soldiers from St. Catharines returned back home to the community. Uh, There's lots of really great photos of the soldiers who uh, came off the train, Uh, paraded down St. Paul Street, down to City Hall, and uh, were dismissed after uh, returning to the Lake Street Armories uh, when they met their families. The standard also went into people's homes and took photos of uh, soldiers and their families in their homes. And uh, there's some great photos that uh, uh, just capture some of of end-of-the-war type of activities that were happening in the community.
0: Awesome. Um, So you mentioned a little bit about uh, the... Sort of the the process there of soldiers, you know, getting off the train, and then they had to go to Lake Street to get dismissed. Um, can you talk a bit about about the process of coming back home at the end of the war? Yeah.
1: So imagine that you're a soldier in Europe who's been fighting for four years away from your family away from your country and everything you know uh, and the war is over of course you want to get out of there you don't want any red tape you don't want uh, military uh, organization getting in your way you just want them to get this thing processed as soon as possible at the same time
0: Oh, sorry. I was okay, going to say, go is that, I was wondering too, if that's true of sort of career uh, officers, like if you're in the army properly and you didn't just sign up for the war, like you're coming home, like, do you have to go back to work on Monday on Monday kind of thing? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I would think so, <laughs> <laughs> but you're still happy to see your family. Right. right of course. Um, I guess it's different for modern because um your family—you might live with your family even though you're deployed. Whereas, potentially, in the in the uh, um, the early part of the 20th century or prior to that, you would be d- deployed to some place, and your family would still be living at home um, in another country, someplace. I guess it just depends on the situation. But so you've got the one side, which is the soldiers saying, "Let's get the heck out of here," and then you've got the other. St- side, which is the government and uh, military bureaucracy, who have basically saying, we remember what it was like at the end of the First World War, when men were getting into trouble, because they had too much time on their hands, they had some money, and they had lots of leave. And they were, you know, causing problems in the communities that they were in. We need to get these guys out of here. And so they did the best that they can to expedite uh, the movement of soldiers back home as quickly as possible. The soldiers that came to St. Catharines with that first group that landed uh, and returned to the city in September. I mean, there were people that returned all throughout the war at different times and uh, even after this. But uh, the first large contingent uh, that came back in September they took a ship that landed in Quebec city and then took a special train from Quebec city that went directly, that came directly to Niagara and, uh, um, and they came directly from the city that way. Whereas other soldiers would have landed in Halifax and, um, and would have taken a train from there. So it just depended and they tried to make the logistics work for everybody.
0: Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess my question, my logistics question was like, are you, if you're an individual soldier coming back, let's say you're injured or something like that, is the army going to take care of you or do they just sort of give you your ticket and some money and off you go? (laughs) Um, Whereas like with the big group, obviously they tried to, you know, the big groups on an army ship, I guess, not like a private ship. And then they're on maybe a chartered train or something like that. To yeah, they, all... the ones that
1: came all together, for sure they right, were. Right. Uh, but even once uh, soldiers that would have been individuals potentially coming to a community, like say one or two soldiers were coming back to St. Catharines, probably returned from Europe on a ship of full soldiers. It's just that they were deployed out to all or they were kind of out to all places in the country rather than just one place.
0: Right. Okay. So then that that, would that mean that that like this particular arrival is pretty significant, like a big group of soldiers coming back at the same time is pretty significant.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Were there other groups that came after
1: yeah, the Lincoln and Welland Regiment returned at a different time than the 10th Battery Group. Um, and so they still came as a large group, but they didn't come at the same time. The first group that came in September was the, the uh, soldiers from the 10th Battery um, who returned um, at the end of September, 1945. And then the Lincoln and Welland Regiment returned, um, at, uh, in January of 1946.
0: Was it the same kind of reception?
1: Funny. Cause there aren't as many photos of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment group returning, but there was uh, a large reception and a large parade uh, as well. So there were still lots of people here to meet them, uh, when they got here, but it's I think, funny. you know, it's that first group. It's yes. like, you know, all of our soldiers coming back, even though soldiers had been returning on and off. And then some soldiers returned individually. And if you were wounded, you might've been returning, you know, sometime in the middle of the war before the war was even over.
0: Awesome. So once they got back, they had to, so I think there's a picture of them parading yeah. to Lake Street or did they just sort of like, everybody's kind of make your way to like <laughs> report by or was it like a, you know, are they still, you know, cause there's the pictures are, they're getting off the train and being greeted by their families to then have to like, what, 10 minutes later, turn around and march yeah. under command to the armory. Yeah, that that's exactly that it. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so their family met them at the train station. They were able to give them a quick hug and stuff. And then they had to fall back in uh, to their, uh, their line and, uh, and march oh. to, uh, to city hall for uh, some speeches at city hall and a march Passed oh and then over to the armory where they were finally dismissed uh, to go with their families or to uh, uh, make a phone call, get a get lunch or whatever.
0: Right, I can just imagine trying to be that <laughs> commander trying to o- organize everybody. <laughs> Nobody wants to do any of that. Yeah. Well, technically,
1: that. they're still being paid by the military, right. uh, While they're disembarking, apparently right. it took about a month after they returned home to be completely discharged. So there was still paperwork and things like that to take care of after they came back.
0: Right. So even if you, even if that paperwork wasn't finished on that day, they may have been dealing with, you know, come in and sign this and yeah. do this and okay, cool.
1: Yeah. Cause you had to return your kit that wasn't like, they were able to keep their uniform, uh, but they had to return weapons and, uh, right. they had to sign up for, um, make sure the military had c- proper information for pensions and, um, all of those kinds of things. Plus there was a war gratuity that they were entitled to. So they had to uh, calculate how much the war gratuity was going to be and uh, how much money was still owed them and that kind of thing.
0: Right. Can, can you talk a little bit about what it would have been like for uh, these service people returning home and seeing their families and then what it might have been like for families seeing the uh, service members?
1: I think that um, it's really hard to, to put yourself into someone's, Shoes in that situation. Um, I've never been in a situation where I've had to worry about my life being in danger for uh, years at a time, and then returning to my family after that. But I can just imagine it must have been incredibly powerful. Like you look at the pictures and the smiles on their faces is is pretty amazing. Uh, they're obviously happy to see their family members, and and I'm sure their family members were just so thankful to have them home, knowing that many didn't come back. I don't have a lot of stories, but my favorite is um, Captain Rudge, who is, when he, there's photos of him from the St. Catherine's Standard from that uh, group with the 10th Battery, and uh, he um, is shown in one of the photos with his parents, and in one of the photos with his assumedly his fiance or his girlfriend. And in the photos, the parents and the fiance both look so amazingly happy. Um, and it, it's quite a, a heartwarming kind of look even at the photos. And I guess he was quoted in the standard saying that him and his uh, girlfriend were going to be married as soon as they can. And you can see the look on her face. She's so happy uh, to see him. So uh, I would think that uh, To me, that must have been typical of a lot of the men who returned, for sure.
0: Were there any challenges for uh, service people finding work after they returned? Like, for example, after the First World War, the job market was difficult.
1: The government brought in legislation to try to protect uh, workers and their jobs when they got back from the war. Prior to that, a lot of local companies guaranteed people their jobs back so if you went and you enlisted you were guaranteed that your work would be there when you came back Uh, but besides that the government uh, for civil service workers for sure um, put a priority on hiring returned veterans into the civil service the federal civil service and um, they also had a priority on hiring veterans or soldiers who had been uh, wounded during the war and widows of uh, soldiers who had died during the war Uh, so there was some Provisions put in place to protect workers who uh, who didn't who may or may not have had a job when they got back, but in addition to that. Um Probably one of the largest pieces of social legislation ever passed in Canada came about at the end of the the Second World War, which was the Veterans Charter. It was this huge pile of legislation that included all kinds of uh, government support for soldiers to retrain, go back to uh, or go to uh, university, go to uh, technical colleges. Also provided loans to start your own business, provided loans for buying houses, all kinds of things like that to protect veterans and to provide them with uh, better opportunities once they got back. So I think that potentially uh, World War II soldiers might have had it a little better when it came came to finding work than World War I soldiers did uh, directly after the war and shortly after that, especially for those who were able to take advantage of a lot of the uh, social le- legislation that was coming about in Canada at the same time.
0: Uh, what's your favorite photo or story in the exhibit?
1: I do really like the photo of, uh, of Captain Rudge and his fiance because just looks so happy to see him. Um, there's a really great photo of uh, Gunner Murray Brady Weston and his wife and daughter. And his daughter's holding on to a little pinwheel in her hand and they're all hugging together, which I think is a really, uh, just a really nice, heartwarming picture.
0: What's the, the overall impact and significance of the end of the war for St. Catharines and, and for these people returning home?
1: Well, I think that from the perspective of the Uh, The impact of the end of the war, I think, from a whole worldwide perspective, it was pretty, pretty significant, Um, but just you know, looking at it in hindsight from the historian's perspective, which we can always, we get the benefit of doing that, is that uh, um, the economy just boomed after the Second World War and the growth in industry and uh, industrial development in Niagara in general and in St. Catharines was really spurned on by the, um, the industry that grew up during the war and that came after that Uh, I mean obviously eventually that changed but uh, the 1950s and 60s were a great time for uh, Canadian industry and for Canadian workers and uh, it was really a a boom time for the growth of our community and so uh, I think that it was you can directly attribute that to the way that St. Catherine's adjusted to the war effort uh, during the 1940s. And so I think it had a huge impact on our community and the way it looks now.
0: Well, thanks so much for talking about coming home, the exhibit and uh, happy victory in Europe day. In memory of those who served, I'd like to encourage you to take a moment to reflect on the service and sacrifice of those who came before us and fought for the freedom of so many. Special thanks to Mayor Walter Senzik for joining us for this special episode of Museum Chat Live. To view our virtual exhibition, Coming Home, St. Catharines and the End of World War II, Follow the link in the footnotes to this episode or visit History Pin and search St. Catharines Museum coming home. Feel free to share your own photos, stories, and memories of soldiers returning home. Don't miss any of our virtual and online programming. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Museum with the handle at stc museum on Twitter and Instagram and visit us online at stcatharinesmuseumblog.com. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.